1: Spectacular. It's hit with no regard for humanity. Is this the moment for Shakiri? Yes, it is! Switzerland and Shakiri have scored in the 90th minute. That was worth the price of admission alone. This is Soccer Matters, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLaw.com. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Glenn Davis. So uh, I'm not auditioning to be a country singer, but uh, we will get through this show tonight. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about! There's so much going on now in the month of May. Heavy Major League Soccer schedule. You got huge championship uh, uh, Champions League matches starting tomorrow. You got Liga MX playoffs Wednesday night. We have 13 Major League Soccer games. So uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of Austin FC talk here tonight. By the way, Jack Farrell producing tonight. We appreciate the. Uh, Jack stepping in here tonight. I've got Victor Ariza coming on in this first segment from the striker to talk some League MX. Craig Way, the legendary Longhorns announcer. Second segment. Uh, you might be surprised. Craig and I have a little bit of history when it comes to calling soccer matches. And then Austin Chronicle. I like, I like this young talent. Uh, Eric Goodman, a good writer, really up on the Austin FC. Uh, you're lucky to have him in Austin. And. Uh, it's a good young guy really digging into the team. Uh, we'll do a good 17, 18 minutes with him uh, tonight as well. Austin FC, a 1-0 loss to FC Dallas. 89th minute, Jesus Ferreira. Uh, it was a fantastic ball from Sabaleng. Uh, unfortunately, 54th minute, Rodney Redis would get sent off. Second, second yellow in that game. Obviously a game changer. Now you got to defend, play on the counterattack, look for set pieces. Um, Austin FC, 2-5-4, 10 points, 12th place, winless and 8 in Major League Soccer. Is this a crisis? Are you worried? Major League Soccer, you can turn it around pretty quick. You know why it's not a crisis? You're only two points out of a playoff spot with a record of 2-5-4, 12th place. Pretty crazy, right? Uh, Show is always brought to you by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlawaustin.com. Five one two, call now. Five one two, call now. Personal injury attorneys. They're bilingual. It is daspitlawaustin.com. Thank you for getting us on the air. So let's uh, go right to Josh Wolf, uh, the head coach of Austin FC, and get his thoughts on the one nil loss to FC Dallas.
2: Yeah, it's it's a um, it's a disappointing result. Obviously, um, you're at home. I think the circumstances change quickly with the red card. Um, I think the first half was combative, competitive, back and forth. I'd say we had the better of the chances. It'd be nice to come away with a goal in that first half. We created enough pressure. Um, they had a chance, I think, in transition, which which again, um, you know, is we got three guys on the line. We got a guy front in Ferrer, and he's able to get off. But um, again, I thought the game, all in all, was, was solid. The red card made it challenging for us. It makes the next 40 minutes really, really complex. The guy's ability to now hang in, grind, make it difficult for Dallas was, was very good. I think it was quite clear it was challenging for them to generate chances. Obviously, you've got to sit low. You're going to absorb a lot of pressure, um, and, and we did that. A couple chances here or there to get out on the break, you know that's how you're going to have to look at the rest of the game. Um, it's a disappointing, you know, two yellows for Rodney in the second half there. The first, they're both yellows. so it's, it's, a, it's the correct call is, is that he gets two yellows and he takes the red. It just puts us in a bit of a bind.
1: I like the fact that, uh, You know, he uh, puts the accountability on Rodney Redis, who's been playing a little bit better as of late. Now, I don't know if that's as much about Rodney. He certainly looks a little bit more comfortable or just the overall performance of the team. Now, I might have said last year if Sebastian Driussi was healthy and Diego Fagundes was healthy, this might be the best team in the league playing a man down simply because those two would have added to the team. Uh, But a lot of problems Uh, We'll talk about uh, Diego Fagundes, Triussi. Um, You can't recreate the same team without those two guys. Striker position still up in the air. Rudy, Zardes, Bruin. Uh, Alex Ring positionally in the press conference. Josh Wolfe kind of positioned it as he could be playing some in midfield, some at the back. Uh, There wasn't really a firm commitment either way because of his versatility. He certainly is a threat with his passing range from the back. Emiliano Rigoni, we'll talk about him. uh, And your leading goal scorer is your outside back, John Gallagher. So there's problems. By the way, uh, Moussa over in France, Adjaccio, no goals, no assists. Um, So I don't know, he's he's played a limited amount of time uh, over there, just a little tidbit. Uh, Okay, so, a couple of things. Chelsea, Mauricio Pochettino looks to be done. Marcelo Bielsa, will now be the coach of Uruguay. Aloko goes there. 13 Major League Soccer games Wednesday. I told you about that. By the way, Pelé died December 29th. We know that. He's been laid to rest. I don't know if you've seen this. At a cemetery called the Ecomunical Memorial Cemetery in Santos, Brazil. Of course, he played at Santos. It's a high-rise 14-story mausoleum. In his room, there are statues of Pelé. It's a 2,000-square-foot room. There's artificial turf. Um, three-time World Cup winner, 1,281 goals. You have to kind of book an appointment to, to go into to see where he's laid to rest. 60 people a day allowed in. Um, 1985, I met Pelé here in Houston. UNICEF game, we were playing the San Jose Earthquakes, and he came in to uh, bring out the game ball. Man, the press conference, I never forget it, at the Warwick Hotel, the minute he walked in the room, the entire room jumped up in the air. It was incredible. There were old ladies with rosaries in the lobby. Incredible stuff. Arsenal, uh, okay, so it's, it's a rough end for Arsenal. Um, couldn't handle the pressure. A couple of draws, and then this big loss uh, at home. You know what made me sad was seeing all those Arsenal fans just walking out. And I'm saying to myself, Wow. What privileged, entitled fans. The time where they really need them, where they've pretty much just lost the Premier League title. Everybody walks out and forgets the incredible, joyful, exciting, entertaining soccer that Arteta and Arsenal have brought to those fans all year long. Um, man, that, was, that one bothered me. Really bothered me. By the way, I'm noticing a bit uh, more... No shows at Q2 for Austin FC. Not the supporters group. They're they're firm. They're remarkable. I'm seeing a lot of empty seats, a lot more, even though they're sold out. So uh, a lot going on there. we got got uh, Manchester City and Real Madrid. That is Wednesday, and then tomorrow it's uh, Inter Milan and AC Milan. Uh, we have uh, a lot to talk about there. But right now I want to switch uh, – over here in a second, after I tell you about one thing here, Real Madrid and Manchester United are playing at Energy Stadium in Houston. It's the Champions Tour. Um, fans wanting exclusive access to tickets, you can get on a wait list. So you go to lsse.net. Now, I would assume there's a ton of Real Madrid and Manchester United fans up in Austin. May 19th, tickets go on sale to the public. You can get them at Ticketmaster. Or again, through lsse.net. That's Lone Star Sports and Entertainment.net. First time the two have ever met in Houston. It's a rare opportunity. By the way, Real Madrid did play against West Ham United back in 1967. That is when the Astrodome was the only dome stadium in the world in Houston. They called it the eighth wonder of the world. So Real Madrid and uh, West Ham United, who were coached, uh, I'm sorry, we were captained by Bobby Moore at the time, who had a year earlier lifted the World Cup and the only World Cup England won in 66. Uh, Real Madrid and West Ham uh, were the first ever soccer game in the eighth wonder of the world. All right, we've got, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of exciting Champions League. we got MLS, we've got League MX, and that has been very, very exciting. So we got uh, tigres Monterey on Wednesday. Chivas Club America Thursday. These are the last four teams. Then it'll turn around on Saturday. Realtos, uh will take on Tigris Sunday, 9 p.m. It'll be America and Chivas. And then the following week, it's Thursday, Sunday for the title. All right. Uh, he is from the Striker. He is Victor Ariza. He joins us now. Victor, how are you?
0: Hey, good, Glenn. Always a pleasure to be on here and talking the beautiful game.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's always a good night when we're talking uh, soccer. I want to get into some Liga MX. You're doing a great job covering the league with the striker. Um, the four teams that you expected here to get to the uh, semifinals?
0: Maybe not the ones expected. Uh, you know, I do think three of them. Uh, that, that was the expectation. Obviously, the, the, the top two in the, in the standings in America, uh, Monterrey obviously finished first overall, qualified first. Uh, Tigres maybe a bit underachieving in the regular season, but because of the roster that they have. I think, uh, Chivas is a pleasant surprise, uh, you know, in the, on the national scene, right? Uh, a lot of fans obviously, but I don't think, I don't think everybody expected, uh, you know, direct birth into the quarterfinals under Belko Panovic in his first, in his first season. But I think, uh, but yeah, overall four of the best teams through, through, throughout the season. Yeah.
1: And by the way, uh, Velko Panovich was at the Chicago Fire. We all remember that. And uh, last night, I watched the Guadalajara uh, Atlas match. And, uh, I mean, the, the pomp and circumstance, the environment, the flags. I mean, this is as good as it gets, Victor. This was this was something. Now, it ended 1-1 on aggregate, right? Uh, Chivas advances, though. Right.
0: It goes so, through because they're higher up on the table and uh... – you know, same way uh, America almost went through. They were kind of shocked there by San Luis, but, you know, they, they got the, uh, a, a bit of a, a breather, right, the, the extra goal to kind of, you know, put down the worries. But, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing about uh, Liga MX, the system is, uh, you know, there's no way goals here, right, It's the aggregate if you uh, hire a team on the table advances in the playoffs, except obviously the final.
1: Yeah, this is a pretty even game. Uh, Sepulveda in the 60th minute, that would be the, the difference. Victor, is that something MLS, you think, could implement?
0: I wish. I mean, that, that certainly... Wouldn't that be great because the, it would add a little
1: consequence to the regular season?
0: Right. And I think, you know, again, uh, Liga MX is Paul's uh, promotion relegation, but um, there is a fine, right, for the... There's a different system, but there's a fine for the for the teams that don't, uh, play the most uh, rewarding soccer right so uh, there there is sort of a, a bit of a more consequence in, in that aspect obviously the pressure off the field with the way the fans are in the different teams or just the culture um, but you know I, I do think you know in there, there is things that there's always talk about right debate about where soccer in mexico is obviously compared to some of its better years in the 90s early 2000 so it it is maybe not the best uh, that, that it could be but Um, but certainly it is a bit on the competitive side. There is a bit more, I think uh, in MLS, but some people are saying, Hey, maybe it's going the other way. Right. Because uh, look, as exciting as these playoffs been, uh, 12 of the 18 teams are the ones that went through. Right. And obviously the bottom eight uh, went to a one game playoff to, for the opening round. And, and, you know, at least for the top four, right. It is uh, a direct trip to the quarterfinals. So at least there, there is some reward, uh, So it's not perfect, but I think there are some things to to give and take.
1: Victor, thank you so much for coming on, and we'll get to see MLS against League MX uh, this summer. Appreciate it, Victor, as always. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Victor Victor Arise, striker. Good hit there with him. Uh, We'll take a break here. Uh, we remind you, soccer matters on the horn in Austin, Texas, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlawaustin.com. 512-call-now, 512-call-now, personal injury attorneys, car, boat, motorcycle accident, you get in a problem like that, you need the best in personal uh, injury attorneys. It's the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlawaustin.com, and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, on uh, Google Play, and also Apple. We'll take a break. We come back with the voice of the Longhorns, Craig Way. Welcome back to Soccer Matters. Uh, My friend Jesse Dayton here on tour Europe with uh, Samantha Fish, the great guitar player, fantastic musician and guitar player. All right, welcome back uh, to the Horn in Austin, Texas here, uh, losing my voice in a big way. Daspitlawaustin.com presents a show each and every week, so without them we don't get uh, soccer talk on the air, and without that we don't get to have – really good guests including a guy that i consider a friend even though i don't cross paths as much with them anymore i hear him a lot he is uh the voice of the longhorns you hear him right here on the horn in austin texas craigway he joins us now craig how are you oh okay we're getting craig sorry that's my fault but anyway craigway's coming up right now um i had another thing to mention here about tomorrow's uh, ac milan and inner milan and obviously that's a local derby Things not looking good for AC Milan, but they are hoping that Rafael Leo uh, will be back. Um, he's had a hot thigh injury. He did score twice against Inter during the regular season. Inter Milan holds a 2-0 uh, lead in the first leg over AC Milan, Jecko and Mikatarian. Remember him from uh, his time at uh, Manchester United. Now, Inter have beaten Milan three times this year. One guy to keep an eye on, I would say, is Federico De Marco, plays on the left side for Inter, five assists for him, he's a wing back, keep an eye on him uh, tomorrow, very interesting player. Manchester City hosting Real Madrid. Um, I mean, this is all about uh, I think Real Madrid on the counterattack at the Etihad. Vinicius Jr. probably has to have a historical match in this game. Uh, does Rudiger uh, work over Erling Haaland again? Manchester City working on a treble. Betting tips say there will be over 2.5 goals in this game. Ilke Gundogan has said attitude, confidence, calm, focus as Manchester City go for the treble uh, could be pretty historic. And by the way, Real Madrid's winless in the last four away from home against City in the Champions League. So, uh, But who's putting anything past them, right? All right, our next guest, Craig Way, uh, we had uh, given him the build-up.
3: He joins us now. Craig, how are you? Not worthy of the build-up, GD, I'll tell you that, but I'm <laughs> glad to be on with you. How
1: are you? CW, you always get a big build-up. Um, I, I don't know if the listeners know, but Craig uh, also was an accomplished soccer broadcaster. We, him and I did some, in the early years, some Dallas Cups, some Dallas Burn, some uh, Continental Indoor Soccer League. I want to take you back to the Dallas Burn. Those were pretty romantic times with Hugo Sanchez in the Cotton Bowl in
3: Dallas. They really were, Glenn, and, and, and we remember them well. And, you know, I was thinking about something when we were visiting the other day. I was thinking that, you know, MLS had a plan uh, coming out of that World Cup, the, the fabulous World Cup of 1994, and I, I mentioned to you the other day that one of the great thrills of my broadcasting career, and I've had a lot of fun, and and gotten a, I've been really blessed and fortunate enough to have some historic moments like Texas winning the national championship with Vince Young and uh, you know in the Rose Bowl and uh, both the Texas men's and women's basketball teams reaching the Final Four and the Longhorn baseball team winning a couple of national championships. I've been very very fortunate and blessed. But I've told people that also one of the great thrills of my life was getting to call soccer both indoor and outdoor i did indoor uh dallas sidekicks and misl and cisl did it during those years and then and then also additionally outdoor uh with uh, the dallas burn as you mentioned and you and i got a chance to work some of those games and uh, worked also dallas cup the youth tournament there in lake islands and it was great but one of the great thrills of my life was to call three matches at the cotton bowl in dallas in, in uh, the World Cup in 1994 with a great Gordon Jago as an analyst. And, and I'll always remember the first game, first match we did was a first-rounder between Nigeria and Bulgaria. And and I just remember thinking that I'm going to get a chance to call Luce Okafor against Risto Stoyskopf. And I always remember that. And, of course, Stoyskopf went on and had a fabulous tournament that year for Bulgaria, and we did that one, and then did Bulgaria and Argentina right after Maradona had gotten the band, and then the the real highlight was the quarterfinal between uh, the Netherlands and Brazil, a 3-2 wonderful match, end-to-end there, all the music and all the electricity inside the Cotton Bowl, I said that was toe-to-toe with a lot of the Texas OU football games that I've been able to broadcast in terms of the atmosphere and the excitement. So all of that was a lead in and a prelude, I think, to us getting an opportunity to work MLS and and getting an opportunity in those early days and thinking about how most of the franchises, most, were really well put together and well run. And then there were some bumps with some other ones along the way, but obviously MLS was, was certainly destined to grow and become huge, which it has. And doing those early matches there in the, in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas in 1996, 97, you know, those 98, those were some great, great days. And I, I really enjoyed it and also had a great time working with you on the matches that we got to work together.
1: Craig Way joining us here. And, uh, Craig, you know, the one thing I always was struck about with you was, I mean, you're, you're loving for pa- and passion for sports absolutely 100 percent genuine i mean you weren't getting into tv and radio because you wanted to be a media star you just absolutely love sports am i right on here
3: you are if for no other reason gd because i don't think of of us working in the business as media stars we're there to do a job but well, i've always said we're there to transmit the message. We're there to be able to describe, to paint a picture uh, on radio or television. Television requires fewer active descriptions during the course of a broadcast, but still it's important to be somewhat illustrative with it. And certainly on the radio, in terms of, of painting the picture, it's a very important part of it. That's our job. That's our vocation. And, and, and you know it very well. And That's that's what we're the responsibility And and the honor with which we are charged is to discharge those duties and to be able to broadcast, whether it's football or basketball, baseball, soccer, uh, tennis, golf, swimming, track and field, lots of things, whatever it might be, to be able to do it and describe it in a way that folks can understand it. And see what's going on, and I and it, even if they're not watching the game at the time on television. So that's that's the responsibility I think all of us have broadcasted as broadcasters have tried to carry forward. I know you do it as well on your duties, and, and it, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's definitely a privilege and a blessing, and I and I always uh, am thankful that I have the opportunity to do it. Yeah,
1: it's great stuff, Craig. Uh, we're talking to Craig Way, the voice of the Longhorns. All right, so you know. Texas Athletics, so dominant in Austin. Austin FC comes in a couple of years ago. How has the sporting dynamic changed? It's obviously been enhanced with Austin FC through the eyes of Craig Way.
3: Well, I thought it would, was a sleeping giant. I mean, and I go all the way back, certainly, uh, when I first got to Austin in the latter part of the 90s when they still had minor league soccer and the Lone Stars and several of the other the other teams that had come in and out and, and enjoyed those. But I always thought if the right opportunity came along, the right ownership group, the right franchise, the right moment, that, that this whole area would be a sleeping giant. And it's gone on to prove exactly that. It is a state-of-the-art, world-class facility, as we know, with Q2 and their fan base is as rapid, is as vocal, is as supportive as just about any for any team. And, and, and I think it, it really does lend, uh, put to bed any kind of myth that folks would think in a major college sports town, pro sports teams just, just cannot exist and, and, and the other way around as well. They just don't do it. No, if it's done right, it, it will exist, even in quote-unquote uh, pro sports communities or quote unquote college sports environments. And and this, of course, has been a, such an eclectic city over the decades and the seat of government and the seat of the, 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 the big land institution and in the University of Texas. It doesn't mean that the love and the passion and the support for a really properly put together soccer franchise wouldn't succeed and obviously it's living proof that not only is it successful it's it's real mania around here there last year in the run for the western conference finals this town was upside down and and if they can pull it back together and get it going again uh, here as the season progresses i think you'll see that same kind of fervor you see it anyway even as the team is struggling to find its way these days
1: Craig Way joining us the voice of the longhorns and of course Craig, I always marvel at your ability to do so many different sports. Um, I go up uh, and going into my 12th year uh, doing Longhorn women's soccer. We both know Angela Kelly very well. But, you know, that versatility and your ability to do so many different sports, um, really quick here before we go to break, uh, is that ever challenging?
3: I think it's as challenging as the preparation would be. Glenn, you know if you if you have a, a passion for it and you want to do it, you'll learn the, the the rules. You'll learn the strategy. You'll visit with the coaches. You'll talk with the players as well. Before I did that first World Cup match, I had never done a professional outdoor soccer game. Now I had done uh, you know college while at North Texas with the program they had there, and I had done a couple of other things here and there, but not. Uh, a World Cup, not on that level. But I knew I could if you're just properly preparing for it and visiting with the coaches and and, and all that we got to do. It was the same thing with Dallas. It was the same thing with the Dallas Cup. So if you're properly prepared and you have the enthusiasm for it, you'll do the right things. You'll make the right movement to, to prepare yourself to carry out your responsibilities, and, and, and that's the challenge, but it's a challenge that all of us who are in the business, no matter the sport, no matter the level, certainly be, really enjoy having that opportunity to execute those duties.
1: Craig, do you ever um, do you ever think that uh, the professionalism, I mean the commercialism of sports is, is going a little bit too far, and we probably have to make this one quick because I'm hearing music
3: here. <laughs> well, I will. I'll make it quick enough to tell you that that we've seen the rise of it. You and I saw it even back in, in the early days of MLS, and, and also uh, with uh, with uh, World Cup as well. It's always going to be there because sponsors understand the importance and the teams understand the importance of sponsorship there will be commercialism around it but the love of the game i think will trump that sort of thing ultimately and fans will be there because they want to watch the games not so much because they're worried about how it's specifically sponsored or the logos on the uniform or anything like that
1: greg thank you so much for coming on we're going to need to do it again we need a little bit more time you and me thank you so much for coming on tonight and uh... Buddy, you're one of the best. Keep being one of the best. And uh, for me, you're a legendary Texas announcer, and that even goes uh, national for me. So thank you so much for coming on tonight.
3: GD, great to be on with you as always. Great program. I love it every Monday uh, here in Austin. So thanks for doing this for us. You got it. That's Craig
1: Way, uh, voice of the Longhorns, and uh, some great stories there. And, uh, boy, what a fantastic Commentator he is, and uh, I always marvel at his ability to do baseball, uh, basketball, football, pick all these different sports up uh, so easily. All right, we'll take a break here. It's uh, all brought to you by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com. Police are going to take us out. It's 512-CALL-NOW, 512-CALL-NOW. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, they're going to work for you 24-7 nights and weekends. You get in a car, both motorcycle, accident. There's only one law firm in Austin. It is daspitlawaustin.com. I apologize for the voice here tonight. We've got Eric Goodman of the Austin Chronicle and the Verde Report coming up next. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, All right, final segment of the night tonight here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Just a reminder here DaspitLawAustin.com is our presenting sponsor. By the way, it's 512 call now. 512 call now, John and his firm, Personal Injury Attorneys. Uh, Look, they're going to handle your case. They're going to work for you 24 7 nights and weekends. Nobody wants to get in an accident, but if you do, you need the right representation. You need the best. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. Again, 512 call now. They are Bilingual. Okay. As we mentioned, Austin FC, a 1 0 loss to FC Dallas, uh, 89th minute. Jesus Ferreira. Uh, we've had this gentleman on the show before, a real good friend of the show from the Austin Chronicle, the Verde Report. He is Eric Goodman at Goodman on Twitter. Eric joins us now. Eric, thank you very much for coming on.
4: Of course. Of course. Anytime, Glenn.
1: All right. Let's uh, just start off. Let's get some initial thoughts from you. Uh, On this match against FC Dallas, obviously it's a burgeoning rivalry, but it's an 89th minute game winner from Jesus Ferreira on an eventful night.
4: Yeah, it kind of felt like two steps backward after the one step forward. You know, Austin, a a couple of, you know, 2-2 draws, obviously not, you know, not wins, but scoring more goals than they had in, in the previous weeks. And then you beat New Mexico in the Open Cup pretty comfortably and you think they're taking... You know, you're going to be taking a lot of momentum into this home game against FC Dallas and, and Austin has not played well at home or on the road, but but it's particularly of note that they haven't played great at home. This was an opportunity to kind of set that right. And, you know, it was a really competitive, I thought very entertaining first half. And then Rodney Redis just picks up two silly yellow cards in the first nine minutes of the second half. And and, you know, he was a player who who I had singled out, you know, in, in my coverage as being possibly the bright spot of Austin FC's start to the season, this, this down start that they've had, uh, he, he takes, you know, a red card that you just, you just can't commit uh, in that situation. And, and it, you know, eliminates any chance Austin had uh, of picking up a win and, you know, left them just to fight for that nil-nil scoreless draw, which eventually Jesus Ferreira gets in behind and, and puts one through Stuber's legs and you know, holds up his jersey to the to the crowd. Draws, uh, you know, definitely definitely instigates a bit more of the rivalry that that we'd seen, and um, you know, FC Dallas get to walk off the same field where their season ended last year and feel a little bit of a consolation about that. By the way, Jesus has got a penchant for that.
1: He did score in Houston and do the same thing in a bunch of water bottles came flying down did anybody throw anything at him at q2
4: stadium oh yeah there was um there were definitely some empty cups and then i I heard from some of my friends who are photographers down behind the goal that uh they got a little soaked from some beer getting getting flung his way yeah so 89th minute game winner
1: Ferreira scoring goals dallas is clearly at the head of the pack of mls teams redis got sent off in the 54th minute so let me take you back eric that prior 54 minutes, tell me about Austin FC and what you saw.
4: Um, I thought they were competing well. I mean, listen, this is a team that, you know, the the lineups that they can field right now, when you think about, obviously, Drew C's out. Owen Wolfe is in Argentina with, with the U-20s at the World Cup. Um, Fagundes still out. I mean, this is a team with not a lot of ability to, you know, progress things through the midfield, be creative. Um, you know, they're, they're defending well in their back five, I, I thought, um, and, and they did create, you know, some encouraging chances. And so, you know, I thought I I figured Josh Wolf would have been, you know, pretty pleased with with the first half that that they were able to to put out there. Um, and and I would have if, if you had asked me to, to place money, you know, at halftime on which team, you know, leaves with the three points, I, I would have picked Austin. And then, like I said, you know, Red is just kind of changes all of that with a couple of, uh, you know, silly, overzealous fouls there at the 54th.
1: Eric Goodman joining us, Austin Chronicle, Verde Report. I suggest you follow him on Twitter, at Goodman. Comes on the show a lot, uh, is covering the team up and down. Love that uh, about what Eric does. Um, you mentioned not progressing the ball through midfield, so it's pretty obvious they're two, using two laterals and Lundquist and Gallagher to, to kind of bring some width to the team. How do you think that worked out Prior uh, to I... the prior to the sending off, of course?
4: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it's it's using those two guys, you know, well. Obviously, we've seen what what John Gallagher can do when he has you know plenty of freedom to get forward. Uh, it it does probably protect Julio Cascante when you talk about you know having the back three him there with um, Alex Ring and then uh, Leo Visonen definitely protects um, Julio Cascante, who I think is still working his way back to full fitness. Um, you know, it's I, I it's probably the the best way that. If if you're not going to have your typical three man midfield, um, with you know like like Josh Wolf loves to run when he's got Sebastian Dries who can operate in that number ten role, then if 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 you know you're going to just have two two eights kind of playing there, then then I I like the idea of going to the back five that can then progress forward on the wings. Adam Lundquist, I think has been a really you know nice bright spot these last couple weeks. His crosses have have been of the more dangerous variety when you talk about austin as kind of a cross happy team his seem to to have a little bit more purpose to them and then like i said gallagher is, is threatening and is probably your only real source of pace right now him and then uh red as to when he's when he's on the pitch but you know at the end of the day it's it's just been a real struggle all season to to finish off the you know the few chances that, that austin will create and uh you know defensively it's it's just difficult when you have to defend 10 v 11 for 35 minutes
1: john gallagher by the way the leading score for austin fc with four goals so that tells you something uh, a little bit there
4: and, and it's um, it's a good note because it was something where early on in the season we we talked with with john and you know said like hey how do you feel being the top scorer and he, he says well i i would hope that that's not the case for long kind of exactly shows you where austin is the fact that we're now you know at 10 weeks into the season and uh and he's yeah. um, and he's still a leading scorer by a couple of goals. So you just said 10 weeks,
1: Eric. And and you know, when I look at 2-5-4, and four, that's 11 games. So you're about a third of the way through the season, right? It's fair to say. Um, you know, people look at MLS in stages, right? You got the first part of the year. You want to acquire points. Generally, everybody's got some problems and things they have to find solutions to. Uh, I think Austin's got more than one problem right now. and We can get into that in a minute. But Then you get into the summer where there's the potential of change in your team with the transfer window. And then you get into the home stretch where, you know, generally everybody still has a run in that final third of the season mathematically because of the way the league is set up and the fact that 18 teams get into the playoffs, but how much urgency must there be now? Because, you know, Josh Wolf seemed pretty complimentary of some of the things that are going on. Obviously a coach, when you're not winning games, you're winless in eight. You've got to build people up. I mean, we know that. And and maybe some of this isn't uh, truly felt in the heart. But, you know, how much urgency should there be right now? How much concern? Because I think from the beginning, this was going to be a different
4: year for Austin FC. You're right. And I, and I think pretty much all of us did. I think the concern is more of in the individual performances and the individual production you're getting or or you're not getting out of guys like Giazzi Zardes and Emiliano Rigoni um in terms of big picture though I mean and 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 this kind of is speaks to something that that I you know really dislike about how MLS is constructed especially this season I mean Austin's in 12th place in the West and and they're two points out of a playoff spot a nine out of 14 teams in the Western Conference are going to have a chance to play in the postseason to me that's that's way too many and it and it takes that urgency away i mean let's be honest supporter shield is really not that you know big a priority for for mls clubs if you know nobody wants to be playing their best in may that's just the reality of it in, in american sports that's just not what we prioritize so if if austin can can just stay in the mix and and get into a position where maybe with you know a couple of of additions in the transfer window be in a position where they're playing their best soccer uh, come the fall and and going in towards October and November, you know, that's, that's, what's going to end up mattering at the end of the day. And I don't say this as, as, you know, to kind of take any heat off of Josh Wolf. It's just the reality. Like this is not when you have to be playing your best. This is where you need to find your problems, identify them, fix them. So that when, you know, when you get into the later season and in, in, in the United States, we, we play playoff games and we play, you know, we it matters who's best at the end of the season. so it, it's it's an interesting twist that, you know, kind of just exists in this league to where, you know, these games just simply are are not going to matter as much as as they will as you get farther down into the season,
1: yeah, there's not a lot of consequence. That's the only negative side of the league that i that I don't like as well. I think too many teams make the playoffs, and it does lead to um being content and maybe not as urgent as you have to be. and Look, I mean, you can't really blame the coaches either, right? I mean, they can say we're really urgent, but they do know they have time to figure things out. I don't think there's any question about that. All right, so let's go to the Diego Fagundes situation. He is sorely missed. There's no question. What can you tell us about Fagundes' situation and why it's taken so long for him to get back on the field and find his form?
4: Well, it sounds like he's he's about a week away um he was he was named on the bench for this past match against FC Dallas but um and I asked Josh after the game was, was there any you know were there any thoughts was there a plan to potentially get him a couple minutes uh that the red card might have gotten in the way of and, and he said no there it really Fagundes was not an option it he's he was just named on the bench because they had an extra place and and that kind of speaks to how short-handed the team you know is at the moment and and the fact that they can't even field a, you know a full lineup and bench with healthy players but we you know Josh did say if not this Wednesday against uh, Seattle Sounders then definitely I would expect to see Fagunas at least you know make an appearance against Toronto at the weekend and and we'll see what you get from him because this was a player who was not um you know playing up to the standard that he had set for himself before he got injured and you know it's it's going to be difficult to work your way up you know from fitness if you're already were not fully fit coming into the season
1: yeah so was that the was yeah. that the scoop on him
4: that he didn't come in fully fit and that's why he struggled in the beginning i mean they would they were never going to say that outright but that you are certainly reading between the lines um that was i mean i think maybe josh even did say at one point that that his numbers you know they wear these these Bra's these bibs that track all their um, statistics yeah. and, and their output, and I think Josh was mentioning that that his were lower than than what they were used to with Fagundes in these first couple of weeks. So that'll be something to watch for sure on on how quickly he can get himself up to speed.
1: All right, so the striker position's a big issue. Maxia, Rudy, Will Brune, Jazzy artist hasn't lived up to it yet. Um, Rudy's getting a little bit longer in the tooth, and then when you don't have Diego Fagundes hitting all cylinders. You don't have Sebastian Driussi hitting all cylinders. You can see how this thing, this machine could get thrown off a little bit when it comes to chance creating and scoring goals, right? So my point to you is, is what do you think happens at the striker position? Um, Do they seem content? Do they go to the transfer window in the summer? Um, Do they hope that Fagundes find Inforna and Sebastian Driussi find and form uh, can unlock the potential of these strike strikers. Um, I don't know. Cause it, it just does not look a dangerous team to me.
4: Yeah, you're right. And, and it's, it's not an easy question to answer. I, I And it's kind of interesting at the dynamic currently about how a lot of this is, is Josh's own decision to make, obviously he and Sean Rubio have kind of filled this role um, with uh, Claudio Reina's, you know, departure from, from the club. And uh, so, you know, this is what these are. These are the, the issues that, that they have to think of, uh, which is kind of an interesting dynamic. I you I don't know how much more you need to see out of Giazzi Zardes to know. I mean, I asked Josh, you know, why is he It's because it's not just that Giazzi's not scoring goals. It's that he's not getting touches. I mean, he's not being found at any point. He's got he's just not involved in the game. And, and Maxi has been, you know, a bit better in that regard. But, you know, certainly is 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 not you know, operating to the point where we saw him at times last year. So, and then also you talk about Will Bruin, he he seems like he's just not in a position fitness-wise where he can he can play 90 minutes or even 60 minutes. You know, I think his role is really, you know, in terms of what he can give is really, you know, limited. So it's tough. I mean, I think if they can make the financials work, they're going to have to look uh, elsewhere in the transfer portal for, for a striker. But, you know, both these guys, uh, Zardes and Aruti. Are on you know you know relatively big money deals, so it's not going to be easy. Um, it, and and they might have to just you know try to make it work as best they can.
1: Eric Goodman joining us, Austin Chronicle Verde Report on Twitter at Goodman uh, always brings a uh, uh, great insight into uh, uh, soccer matters here on Austin FC. Uh Emiliano Rigoni, um, you know you, just when you think he may get over the top and 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 produce a little bit more end product it just doesn't seem to happen i mean is he considered I, I know you have to keep going with him because he's a dp he's active he's mobile but at the end of the day he's not producing enough um at what point do we start thinking you know this was not a great transaction
4: yeah i mean i'm 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 pretty close to to being right there just because i mean it, you're right it's not just the the production and this is kind of a theme like it, yes obviously you look at the numbers Austin isn't scoring goals they they haven't been playing great but even even beyond just you know the 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 statistical output you just watch you know watch these players and is one that you know he played the full I believe he played the full 90 I could be wrong about that but I think he played the full 90 minutes against New Mexico in the Open Cup and you know the entire time even when Austin was comfortably in the lead I was just saying to myself, okay can Rigoni beat a USL player 1v1? I mean, I really have I haven't seen him and I recognize that's not, you know, 100% his game, but in, you know, he needs to be one of the best players out on the pitch and you can't be that if you're not able to have the confidence to to attack a 1v1 defender and try to create something and it's just not something that that he's been able to dip into in his game. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, a lot of great chances were falling to him that that he wasn't capitalizing on. That's kind of gone away too. You know, he he hasn't been able to be. He had one, you know, header chance against Dallas that was possibly Austin's best chance. It's also one where if, if he doesn't touch it, it might fall to Giazzi Zardes for an even easier chance. But he, he's not been getting into the same you know great positions to score as he has, and you know, I it's it's a to me a big part of of why Austin have struggled so far, especially with Drew C obviously you know missing what he brings.
1: Has he penetrated Has he gotten behind
4: people enough? nope not for me um I mean hardly hardly at all in my opinion and it's just he he's playing like a just a finesse player it Rodney Redis has really you know shown me if you know if you kind of took the names off the back of the jerseys you know took a bird's eye view and watched those players play I would have you know thought through this season that Redis is your DP and Rigoni is your you know, young player who's struggling to, you know, find his way around the pitch. So um it's yeah, it's a struggle and and it's gonna fall to, you know, Ragoni's not a young guy. It, it, eventually it's gonna fall to him to to get involved more and to show why he's on the kind of contract that he's on here with Austin. It's intriguing.
1: Last one before I let you go, do you get any sense of um nervousness from the fan base or you know, maybe people checking out slightly because of not winning games and not reproducing this amazing year like last year that uh, everybody got to celebrate and kind of be a part of.
4: Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, the, yes, there were, you know, a little bit of weather concerns on Saturday night, but not really a ton. And yes, it will go down as another sold out match because tickets, you know, are are spoken for in a lot of ways. But in terms of the actual attendance of who showed up, Tough to think of a weekend game, especially you know a rivalry game that that would have had, you know, as as little of a turnout. This is all relative, obviously. Of course, there are clubs around MLS that would be thrilled with the crowd that Austin was able to draw, but yeah. you can definitely tell that some of the momentum is is totally slowed. And and it'll be interesting to see throughout this summer, you know, how relevant is this team able to to keep itself. You know, and and that's gonna a lot of that is obviously going to be decided on on what can be turned around on the pitch. Well, we said it was going to
1: be an interesting year. It has been. We'll see if the if Austin FC can turn it around. They certainly have plenty of time. You whip off three wins in a row in Major League Soccer and pick up nine points, so all of a sudden uh, it becomes a very sunny day. Eric, thank you very much for coming on the show. As was always
4: great stuff. Yeah, great talking to you, Glenn. Take care.
1: All right. One and only Eric Goodman there. Austin Chronicle Verde Report on Twitter at Goodman. Give him a follow. That does it tonight for us on Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Daspitlawaustin.com, our presenting sponsor. 512-CALL-NOW, 512-CALL-NOW. Uh, John and the firm, personal injury attorney's car, boat, motorcycle, construction, maybe you work in a refinery. Well, you call the Daspit Law Firm if you need personal representation. They will work for you 24-7 nights and weekends. Uh, don't forget, uh, subscribe to uh, our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Glen Soccer or Soccer Matters GD. And until next Monday night, remember, soccer matters. Yeah, I could use a little rain.